we're glad that you're here today. My name is Aaron Havens. I'm the pastor here at Church Project. If you're a first-time guest, when you sat down on your chair was a response card. And so what this response card is, well, hello, good to see you. What the response card is is a great way to uh, let us know your information so we can tell you what's going on at Church Project, the ebbs and flows, the things that we do and what's, what's uh, you know, happening. And so that's a good thing to, to know. And so if you want information, every Tuesday we send out an email. And if you'll fill out your email address and put it over in our offering box over here, that would be great. And we'll communicate with you. Also on the back of that. I think is a really cool thing. We have our prayer requests on the back. And so if there's something that you're going through in life, there's something hard or maybe even a praise that you, you want to just celebrate, would you write down your prayer request also and put that in the offering box and the elders and our church? We pray over these prayer requests. And so if there's something that you're working through and you, you just want help going through it, there's a great way to introduce that as well. So just write your prayer request and put it in the offering box over here. Well, if you're a first-time guest to Church Project, um, we hold the Bible in high regard. And so what we do is we call, it's called expository teaching. And so what that means is we go verse by verse through a book of the Bible. And about four or five weeks ago, we started the, the study of the book of Acts. And we've made it all the way, what verse are we on today? All the way to verse 9. So in five, in five weeks, we made it to verse 9. But don't worry, there's only 1,007 verses in the book, so we may be here for a very long time. But hasn't it been good already? I mean, just studying the, the book of Acts and what, what you know, the Holy Spirit did in that New Testament church and how the Holy Spirit moved. And the Acts is a study, uh, it's a second part study. The first one, Luke wrote it, is the book of Luke. And then the second book that he wrote is Acts, and it's a follow-up to that. Luke was about the life of Jesus Christ, what he did, what he said, how he moved, and then we begin to move into Acts, and just these first few verses actually has Jesus in them, and then, uh, you know, today, Jesus, we wave bye-bye to him, and it's just the Holy Spirit and the church for the rest of Acts, and how the Holy Spirit moves through us, his church, and his people is what we're studying in the book of Acts. So if you would, open it up, uh, your Bible, to Acts chapter 1. Uh, we're going to start in verse 9. If you don't own a Bible, there's a blue Bible in the rows next to you. And there's a blue Bible over here. And, and that's on page 628 is where we're going to start today. We're, so we're going to do Acts chapter 1, verses 9, 10, and 11 today. I do want to say this, I have tea up here, and it's warm, thank you Christina, and it has honey in it, uh, and I see a few of us that are a little tired right now, because last night we, we were able to day spring school here, uh, went down and they were in the state tournament for volleyball, and their season ended 29-0, and 0. they were undefeated state champions, <laughs> which was awesome, and so... Don't try to talk to Jeff. He has very little voice, and you can tell my voice is, is going out as well, but it was awesome. So, Emily, good to see you, girl. So, so many people we can thank, and Emily's one of the coaches there as well. And so, anyways, that was awesome, and it was fun to be there. Um, let me just read these verses, and I'm going to get right into it, because uh, I think what I have is very solid words for us today, very, but it's not many. 
And we're going to move from the teaching and we're going to move from what God is showing us today in these verses on to a baptism today. And it's going to be beautiful and we're going to celebrate what's going on. And we have two people that are going to be again baptized today. So you're here at a great Sunday and God's going to move and continue to move amongst us. So let's start right here. Verse 9, Acts chapter 1, verse 9. And when he had said these things, Jesus, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, whom was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So let's, let's talk about these few verses just a little bit, just to kind of set it up and talk about it, okay? What things had he just said? If you look in verse 9, it says, and when he had said these things. Well, if you want to look a, a few verses previous, what things had he just said? Well, Jesus had just said in the passage right before this that I'm going to use you, and he's talking to his apostles, he's talking to his disciples, and he's talking to the church. He says, I'm going to use you to spread the kingdom of heaven from here, and the point he's talking about, from here to the entire world. He, Jesus had just said, I'm going to use you, you handful of people, to spread this entire global life-changing message called the kingdom of heaven from this location that you know, seeing me, to the entire world. And if you want to look at Acts chapter 1, verses 8, it's a summary and an outline of the entire book of Acts. And what does it say in chapter 8? That, that I'm going to use you to spread the message from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and what? To the ends of the earth. Talk about a big message. And Jesus just wrapped up saying that. He said, I'm going to use you to spread this kingdom of heaven message from here to the entire world. In essence, he said this, it's your turn. Be the church. Jesus is looking at the apostles. He's looking at the disciples. And he's saying, it's now your turn. You're going to be the ones. You're going to be the church that spreads this message, this life-changing message from here to the ends of the earth. And they're sitting there. And he had just wrapped up saying these things. Now, let's pause. Let's put ourselves in the shoes of these disciples at this point. All they know, let's just take the example of one of them. All he knows is that he's in a boat fishing one day, minding his own business, probably having a good day fishing. And along comes this crazy man and says, hey, follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And something stirred in this man. And so he follows this Jesus character. And for the next three years of his life, he sees this Jesus character proclaiming to be the Messiah, the Son of Man, doing miracles, doing awesome things. But yet the same Jesus character that this fisherman gave his life up to follow, he thought was the Messiah. He had just seen die. He hung on a cross to death, and then rose, risen from the grave three days later, and this guy's going, I thought you were going to be my Messiah, the one that set the Jews free and, and gave us back our land, and you were going to rule this world, and you were going to make us a strong kingdom, but yet, Jesus, you died on the cross, and then 
three days later, you're, you're risen from the dead, and now I'm walking with you, and I'm so confused what's going on, and you tell me that this message, this whole Messiah Savior message that I've given the last three years of my life to do, you're telling me that you're leaving now? And you're telling me that this message, I'm so confused, this message is going to be spread to the entire world through who? Me? To who? The church? Jesus, what are you talking about? And if you want to even look a few verses before that, remember last week we talked about Jesus saying, hey, you know what? Stay. Stay in Jerusalem. So the disciples were, the apostles, disciples were just told, stay in Jerusalem. Don't go spread this message yet. Remember that? Don't go spread this message yet. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And now we get to verse 9, and Jesus says, oh yeah, by the way, I told you to stay. That's true. You're going to stay here. Wait for the Holy Spirit. But I'm out. I'm gone. So in verse 9, let's read this again, but I want you to read it as if you're one of the apostles in this moment. What would you be thinking? And when he had just said these things, as they were looking on him, dumbfounded by what he just said, a cloud took him out of their sight. What? <laughs> I've never seen that. That would be cool. Verse 10. And while they were, what does your Bible say? Gazing is what mine says. And while they were gazing into heaven <laughs> as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come. In the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Look at verse 9. I want to point out a couple of words here. And I love doing word studies and word searches and kind of digging into stuff. And I couldn't get away from this word looking. And so look at verse 9. It says, and when he stood there, he said these things. And they were, what, looking on him as he was being lifted up. I can see myself looking at Jesus as he's being lifted up. Could you see that? This word looking uh, means this. It means to see, to become aware of, to notice, to take a glance at, to notice. And so they're watching this ascension. They're, they're just, they're taking a glance at, it. they're kind of looking. So you see that word looking, right? You, get, you see the thrust of that word and the meaning of that word. So let's, let's go down to verse 10. And while they were, what? Gazing. <laughs> they go from looking, noticing, glancing, watching the ascension, to what? Gazing, and if you want to look at the meaning of the word gazing, it means to fix one's eyes on an object continually and intensely, to stare at. If you're there and you're looking at Jesus, he's talking talking to you, and he goes into a cloud, and you're looking at that, like what is happening in this moment, and then the cloud takes him away, and he begins to disappear. What do you think you would be doing? I'm gazing. I'm like, what is, nothing is going to distract me from this point. I'm looking at what's going on right in front of me. Can we get, can, can, I know this might be unbiblical, but can we go here for a second? Because so, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm human and, and I like to think about these weird things. But let's go here. Just go with me. Is this okay? I'm going there either way, so here we go. <laughs> I wonder, I, I, I have no way to prove it, search the Bible, you won't prove it, okay. I wonder if God and Jesus ever, ever, ever had a coffee meeting, and, and it was one of those creative brainstorming sessions. Have any of you ever been in one of those? 
creative brainstorming sessions. They, they're hard, man. They're, I wonder if God and Jesus ever had one of these sessions. So I'm going to give you a couple examples, and I even wrote them down because this is a sidetrack, okay? Let's just go on this sidetrack. One of those inspired creative coffee sessions where they're trying to get really creative about stuff would, would be something like this. Well, what should we do to build the tension about the Jewish people escaping Pharaoh? That's the question. They're like, what can we do to build that tension? Okay, oh, I've got it. Have them get trapped by a sea and then have the sea part and have them walk through the sea. Now, that's a creative brainstorming session, right? That's out of the box. That, that's crazy thinking right there. That, bravo, okay. I, but I also think that they, they, maybe they would have had a dry brainstorming session, not, not so creative. And this is one. What do, we, what do we think about the sick man and his friends that... They, they want to put him in front of Jesus. What, what should we do? There's a whole bunch of people. How do we do that? Oh, we'll have him climb on top of a house and cut a hole and drop him in. I'm like, that's the best you got? Like, you just parted the seed. Like, that, that just doesn't seem so creative, God. Like, come on, what are you doing? Okay, I told you, this is unbiblical. I just, this is the way I think. Okay, here's another inspired session. Okay, this one would be awesome. Anyone know this? Remember, remember the story of Balaam and his donkey? okay. They're going, and they're going, like, they're, Balaam's taking his donkey against the word of God, and they're walking, and, and this donkey won't go places, and all of a sudden, the donkey starts talking to him. Bravo, God. That was a creative brain session. Like, that was awesome. And then, what would be a rememberable way for you, Jesus, to leave the scene? Huh. What can we do? No, that would be boring. Let's not do that one. Oh, I got it. Some sort of cloud disappearing act. That would be awesome. Nailed it, okay? Like, you see, you see what you, you see? The, okay, let's get off of my tangent right there. But <laughs> one of the things that is so neat about our loving Savior is that he meets us where we are. And it's easy for us to read the book of Acts on this side of the story, and it's easy to neglect the people that were actually living this and walking through this. But imagine if you're the, the apostles and the disciples walking through this most confusing time of life, and what does our loving Savior do? He meets them where they are at. He takes us to our limits, and then what does he do? He gives us just what we need. There's another verse in the Bible and a teacher that just talks about it. It says, I've learned that, that I, God, I, I want to have not so much that I dismiss you from my life and live it on my own, but I also don't want to have so little that I steal. Like God meets us right where we're at. He gives us freedom and lovingly by the Holy Spirit, by the way, nudges us back into place where we can roam wildly with him. And imagine these apostles and disciples at this time. Jesus takes them right to their limit where they're about ready to break. The apostles are at the limit of their understanding. They're looking at Jesus. No, they're gazing at him as he's disappearing from their eyes. They're at the limit of their understanding. No wonder they're gazing into this cloud. No wonder everything. They're, they're Wires are crossed. Smoke is coming out of their heads. So God gives them two men dressed in white to give them a commentary as to what's literally happening. 
That is cool that Jesus met them. God met them right where they were at, took them to their limits, and said, they won't understand this, so I'm going to give them two men to give them a commentary to tell them what's going on. Their deepest needs and confusions are met by these, these two men, these two angels dressed in white. And God knew they needed an explanation and a reminder. So these men, if you look, what are they doing? They're explaining what's going on. They're giving a commentary of what's going on. But what are they doing if you want to zoom out from the text a bit? They're giving a reminder. Because remember, just earlier, what happened? Jesus said, yeah, here's the keys to the car, to the kingdom. I'm leaving it to you. And he begins to disappear. And so we see the apostles looking at him when he's talking and then gazing at him. And I wonder if they're just stumped. They're just gazing. They're stuck like, What's going on? And, and now the two men in white stand up, give a commentary, but also they give a reminder that says, hey, wake up, snap out of it. Remember, I am using you to spread this good news message. Stop gazing. He's gone. It's now up to you and the Holy Spirit. And this is the reminder. Spread the good news message to the ends of the earth. We can get so stuck gazing that we don't move. Is that true? We can get so stuck looking. We can get so stuck gazing and having our our holy prayer sessions and our Bible study sessions where we just focus on Jesus and all I want is Jesus. And I get it. I get it. Yes, that should be our desire. But if, if it leaves us just there and in that moment and we're gazing at him our entire life and we never look up and look out, guess what? We've missed it. And the two men in white are standing there saying, you've seen some incredible things today, haven't you? Oh, yeah. That whole cloud disappearing act, brilliant, right? It's Jesus. He's going to come back. He's the Messiah. He's coming back. But snap out of it, church. It's a reminder. It's time to get going from this point forward. Be the church. So when things in this world don't go as you expect, how do you respond? I imagine this didn't go the way the apostles thought their day was going to go. It didn't go as they expect. How about in our life? When things don't go the way that we expect, how do we respond? When Jesus does a new thing in our life, are we going to say, God, no, you know what? I like the old thing better. Or are we going to embrace the new thing? And it's simply a new thing because it's not the old thing. So no wonder you're a bit confused because the new thing that he's doing in your life, which he promises to do in your life every day, is not the old thing that you remember and you're familiar with. He's taking you into new things and it's going to be confusing because it's a new thing. It's places you've never been in your life. And we need the Holy Spirit to take us into these new things. How do you respond When God is doing a new thing in your life, when your life is getting shooken up, shaken up. What's the proper word, John? Shaken. Thank you, Brittany. (laughs) When when met with opposition in our life, when met with opposition and the road ahead seems unfit for travel, many of you in that point right now, where you're just looking ahead, you say the The road ahead seems unfit for travel right now. You don't know what God is going to do or how he's going to do it. As the children of 
God Almighty. He says, I'm going to do a new thing in your life. God is growing you and his church all at once. You see the big picture? When God begins to do a new thing in you, what is he doing? He's growing you as an individual that he loves deeply and intimately. And he's growing his church all at once. It's not one of us in isolation. It's all of us as we live in community, being the church at large. God is growing you and his church all at once. No power or death can stop him from doing a new thing in your life, church. Are you going to take this promise? Are you going to hang on to this promise? No death can stop that from happening in your life. No darkness can push back the light in your life. No darkness can push back the light in this earth. The fact that light is pushing back the darkness makes us stand up and applause, saying, God, you're doing a new thing in my life, in the life of our church, in the life of our country, and in our world. Death and darkness has no place here. God, do a new thing in my life. Church, he is and and will continually blow our mind. We've never lived as a church tomorrow. We are deeply dependent on the Holy Spirit taking us into the unknown. Just as the apostles were sitting there looking familiar at Jesus and then gazing as he began to do something new and they were stuck and going, God, now what? God gave the two men to give commentary and remind them to move forward, trusting in the Holy Spirit that was about to come. America's going to look different. <laughs> Already is. Your life is going to look different. The world is going to look different. How are you going to respond when you feel like death and darkness is pushing in hard? We have a video that we want you to see, Elijah, if you drop the lights out and we'll get this this video going. I think this is a beautiful representation and image of a country and a people that maybe in the face of darkness has every right to be depressed, to not know what's going on, but trust God as he begins to do a new thing in them. Here in China, there is such darkness. But in the midst of this darkness, we are experiencing God's victory. I became a believer 10 years ago. I heard about Christ when I was on a business trip. After that, my entire family came to Christ. But we are not free to share our faith with others. If you are spreading the gospel, Chinese government treats you as a criminal. They want to control the number of Christians. They want to control what God is doing. I hear from time to time of brothers and sisters being persecuted and arrested. Last week, a good friend of mine was taken by the Chinese police 
He was questioned and then beaten so bad that he almost died. All because of spreading the gospel. In a city, everywhere you look, there are apartments. Since we can't meet in public, our ministry takes place in the buildings we live in. In the evenings, brothers and sisters in Christ gather together in homes. This is our church. If you ask people on the street, most have never heard of Christ or read the Bible. No one in their family is a believer. The dangers here are driven by darkness, and that darkness can be quite fearful, especially when I think of my family. But God never fears, and He will overcome. So I want to go and share, despite being at risk. I minister to the neighbors that live next door or upstairs. I visit them often. I listen, and I share in their life. When I get the chance, I tell the story of Jesus Christ, and we pray. And the Holy Spirit works. Every week, we see new people come to Christ. Only two weeks ago, an amazing thing happened. We discovered there was another home church meeting at the top of this very same building. In our own building, God had brought up another fellowship. That really humbled us. In the midst of all the darkness, all the persecution, the Holy Spirit is moving. He continues to prepare the hearts of people in China. Every day, I have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ, even if it means I could go to prison. For who can have victory over God? Nobody. No matter what country. One of the things that I think God is going to do in our church as we move through the book of Acts is he's going to awaken a sleeping giant. To a people that will share the kingdom of heaven to their neighbors and friends. Even with jail looming as a real reality, and won't be stopped and silenced. 
One of the things I think that God is going to do in Church Project as we move through the book of Acts is waking a sleeping giant. The places and spaces that we go, our life is going to continually be driven by the love of Jesus and this gospel message and this message of hope. And it's going to move out of here. It's going to move to our workplaces and spaces, to our colleges, to our friends, to our neighbors. That is how God has chosen this thing to work. Church, as we look at this passage right here, verse 9, 10, and 11. If you will, look at verse 11. It says, these two men were talking and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taking up from you into heaven, what does your Bible say? Will come. Will come. In the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This will come. I, I, I want to jump into a topic just for a minute. It's called the perusa. That's what Christians call this, the, the returning. The, the perusa, this word perusa means this. It's a transliteration of a Greek word. And the word means um, presence or arrival or appearance or coming. So oftentimes in the theology of Christianity, you'll get in circles and it's not long until we begin to talk about the coming, the second coming of God and Jesus. And this is known as the perusa. And it's the coming again of a King Jesus as he lays a foundation of hope for us as his followers. The hope of his return is why we do what we do. Just as the early church the hope that Jesus was going to be the Savior and liberating King is why they followed Him and did what they did. And church, the hope that He returns and brings His, His church back to Him, the perusa, is why we do what we do. It's a great hope. And when we begin to talk about the perusa, there's some verses that I want to just I want to flash out real quick. So you can write them down and study them if you want. I throw this out, this term out, because some of you, you're going to go and intellectually enter into this study and study this perusa and what it means, Jesus Christ returning. And so here's some verses. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May now the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Won't that be a beautiful day? 1 Thessalonians 2.19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? 2 Thessalonians 2.8. And when the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth, and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming, the perusa. We can jump into the Old Testament. Daniel 7.13 says, the prophet Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. Here, let's do one more verse. There's tons of them, by the way. Matthew 24, 27, for as, the light, as, for as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Let me take, can I give us a little golden nugget? 
here, a little cool intellectual fact. If you love history, you will love this, okay? Original readers, the people that were reading this text originally, would know their culture, that when a Roman emperor died, it was common to declare that someone had seen his soul leave his body and go up into heaven. These are not non-Christians, just, just normal culture. When a Roman emperor dies, someone's going to claim that they saw his soul leave his body and go up into heaven. And so Jesus, when he does this literal thing to that reader at that time, when his apostles are looking at him and what are they doing? They're watching this happen. It's already part of their culture. Everyone knows this, Roman emperors. This is what people say about them. And what this does to them, the original reader, and even for us at this time, Jesus leaving, he leaves. And what happens to the Roman emperor when he leaves? That empowers his son to now rule. And the same thing happens when Jesus leaves and he's ascended into heaven, the world now says what? And it puts a lot of emphasis that Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the throne of God and he's the authority, he's the, the ruler of the time and the culture is getting this at this time. He is the rightful owner. Parallel to what the culture was even learning during that time. Side little fact, kind of fun. I want to say this about these verses. Before the perusa, before Jesus is returning, Mark 13, 10. And I'll give you a second to get there. Mark 13, 10. Before Jesus returns, we're in this time. We're in this time where Jesus is calling. He's, he's left. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's imparted this beautiful message for us to take to the end of the world. Then in Mark 13, 10. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. Church, can you sit on that for a second? For some of you, that might mean moving to Africa. For most of us, that means waking up and living. And taking this gospel to the end of the nations, to the end of the world. Because you are the closest thing as a gospel representation wherever you go than anything else. This is a beautiful thing to wake up knowing that the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And God is doing it through you wherever you go. Beautiful. This is all I got, and it's time to celebrate. You can talk about these verses at your house churches. You can have community and barbecues and all that all week long and enjoy that. But I think it's time to celebrate because we're going to do baptism today. So in order to set that up, what, what we want to do is we want to make sure we have all our project kids come and join us as well. So as a, as a family we can celebrate just as a family together and so I'm going to ask us right now if you would just to close your eyes and, and, and bow your heads God what are you doing in our hearts and what are you doing in our minds Holy Spirit continue to teach us and prod us and grow us in this place 
but also cause our heart and mind to be still in this place. What are you showing us and who are you, God? For some of us, as we hear these verses, maybe God's prodding us, just saying, you know what? You've been living, looking down on the ground. You haven't even been looking up. You haven't been gazing. You haven't been waiting. You haven't been moving. You've been living life in the temporal. You've been going to work and coming home. You've been going through the routines. But you are not gazing at me. Begin to focus on your own life. Church, maybe God is awakening us right now, each of us, just to take the eyes off of us and our routines and our schedules and things that we do and place them in in God Almighty and we trust the Holy Spirit to do a, a new thing in our life every day. His mercies are new every morning. It doesn't matter where we've come from or where we're going. What matters is being in this moment with Jesus as he makes us more like him. And as we're more like him, we want to gaze more into his eyes. And then we begin to reflect him even more. And then the places and spaces that we go, Jesus goes. God goes. The Holy Spirit goes. We impart hope into any building we walk into. Any situation is God moving through us. No government can oppress that. No persecution can oppress that or stop that. Because God is moving.